Chapter 36 Early Morning Raid Uni, Duster, Emile, and Citri huddled in Uni's chamber. We must move tonight, Duster, Uni began. The goddess is getting restless, and my husband, King Toshrata, wants to see her. We must move now, and we have to keep it secret. The king cannot know I am part of this. What are you planning, Aunt Uni? Citri asked. I must get the amulet from Ishtar, Uni replied. The longer we wait, the stronger she becomes. There will not be a better time. Ishtar won't give it up without a fight, Aunt Uni, Citri said worriedly. How far are you willing to go to get it? We will kill her if need be, Dastar replied. I have instructed the captain to arm his men. Citri, you can help by diverting Rene and his friends, but you must go now. It is getting late. Citri looked at him, open-mouthed. I can't do this, Dastar. I won't be part of your scheme. Aunt Uni, think about this. Do you really want to be part of Ishtar's destruction? She started to cry, but no one responded. Well, don't count on me to help you, Citri said. Shh, I agree with you, Citri. Duster's gone too far, Uni said, as she put her arm around the girl. Don't upset yourself. Nothing is going to happen. Why don't you go to bed now? It's late. Citri nodded and turned toward the door. I'll see you in the morning, Aunt Uni, she said. Yes, dear. Get some sleep, and don't worry about anything. Duster looked at Uni after Citri left. Are you really going to give this up, Queen Uni? He whispered in her ear. Uni shook her head. No. But we must keep Citri out of it, she replied in a soft voice. Your coat, Your Majesty, Emile said. Thank you, Emile. Wait for me, Citri, Uni called down the hallway. I think I'll retire as well. Hours later, a cart pulled in front of Ishtar's temple. The temple sentry answered the urgent knocking. What is it? the soldier asked through the door. I am a messenger from Nuzi. King Tushrata is hurt and he needs Ishtar's help. You must fetch Queen Uni, the stranger replied. Hurry, please. One minute. Unused to middle-of-the-night interruptions, the sentry returned inside the temple to rouse his assistant. There's a messenger at the door. King Tushrata is injured, he said. Please, find Queen Uni. She must leave at once. The messenger hollered out when he heard the sentry footsteps returning. Hurry, man, for heaven's sake! I'm coming as fast as I can, the sentry replied, as he lifted a massive beam from the secured door. As soon as he opened the door, the sentry realized things weren't right. Six armed men, wearing helmets and military armor, stood in the darkness. One man grabbed him from behind, held his hand over the sentry's mouth, and pulled his head back. Another stood in front of him and sliced a deep gash into the sentry's neck. The sentry crumpled to the floor, spurting blood from his severed arteries. The intruders unsheathed their weapons and entered the temple, heading straight towards Ishtar's cellar. But Toma was waiting inside the entryway, with Devi and two more men. Citri managed to get a message to him that Queen Uni was planning something, and he decided to spend the night guarding Ishtar. They waited, standing in pairs, on either side of the entryway, in bronze-leaf jackets and helmets, with their swords at the ready. When they heard footsteps approaching, the men watched Toma for the signal. He nodded as the first man stepped over the threshold. The nearest defender grabbed the invader by the wrist, wrested his sword from him, and pulled him inside. Toma struck the man on the back of his head, pushed him to the ground, and dispatched the fellow by driving a sword into his heart through an opening in the back of his armor. Pulling the sword free, he turned and jumped into the fracas with his three comrades. Devi was fighting off two men, and Toma swung his sword at the fellow nearest him, 
hitting him across the chest with a forceful blow. It knocked the fellow backward, putting him off balance. Dropping his sword, Toma pulled a twelve-inch dagger from his belt and jumped onto the man before he regained his footing, stabbing him repeatedly as they fell to the floor. Another intruder jumped onto Toma, but was attacked by one of Toma's men, who sliced his sword into the man's arm above his wrist, cracking the man's radius just below the elbow. With his one good arm, the invader jabbed at Toma with a knife, opening skin and muscles along the right side of Toma's neck. Toma rolled with the man until he was on top and rammed his dagger underneath the invader's armor. Pushing the blade into the man's belly, he directed his thrust upward, sliced through the liver and diaphragm, and pierced the man's lung, asphyxiating the fellow. Toma pushed free of the invader and grabbed his sword just as several more of his Imanti soldiers came in, overwhelming the invaders and killing the rest. The scuffle awakened Katie. She was wrapping a robe around herself when Robea came running in. You must stay here, Ishtar. There's been an attack. I have to bar this door. How can I help? What should I do, Rabea? Katie ran to help Rabea, who struggled to lift a heavy timber. Together they placed it in brackets across the door. This is the best place for you, Ishtar, Rabea said, as she lit a torch from a flickering lamp and used it to light the other lamps along the wall. A few minutes later, the noise in the hallway stopped, and they heard someone rapping on the door. Ishtar, this is Toma. Please, open the door. It is safe. Katie and Robea ran to the barred door, lifted the heavy beam, and leaned it against the wall. Ready? Robea said, grabbing the door handle. Katie nodded, and Robea flung it open. What happened, Toma? Katie asked, seeing fresh blood ooze from beneath Toma's helmet. Queen Yuni's men attacked us, Ishtar. They were going to kill you. Oh! Katie cried. But what happened to your neck, Toma? You're bleeding. Katie took Toma's arm and sat him on her bed as he removed his helmet. Fetch warm water, Rabea, and clean washcloths, Katie said. Renee rushed into the room with the other defenders. Is anyone else hurt? he asked. Toma was the only casualty. When Rabea returned, Katie grabbed a wet washcloth, wrung it out, and began gently wiping Toma's wound. This is deep, Toma. It will need sutures. But you are lucky. They missed your artery. Do they have sutures, Katie? Renee asked. Shrugging, Katie turned to Rabea. I have to suture these torn edges together, Rabea. Do you have a needle and thread? Rabea looked confused. I need sewing supplies, Rabea, so I can close Toma's wound, Katie explained. Oh, yes, I see, yes, Rabea said. I'll fetch my kit. And I'll need honey and bandage materials, Katie hollered to Rabea as she ran from the room. I'll get the honey, Tifani said, appearing in the doorway, and cloth wraps to use as padding on the wound. Can I give you something to dull the pain, Toma? Katie asked. No, I feel fine, my goddess, Toma replied. We must leave here as soon as possible, and I want to be clear-headed. Are you sure, Toma? Katie asked. This will hurt. I will be fine, Ishtar. Toma turned to speak to his second in command. Devi, can you waken the rest of the Yamanti? Tell them to prepare to leave Nineveh at dawn. End of chapter. Thank you for listening. You can follow the story on my blog, jeadvm.com. Once on my blog's front page, go to the menu, pick My Books, and select Katie Becomes Ishtar. That'll take you to the Ancient Katie series of books. Inconvenient Goddess can be purchased as an old-fashioned paper book, or an e-book, as well as an audiobook set, or can be downloaded from the audiobook site Spotify. More details are on my website, jeadvm.com.